0: Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed.
1: I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio.
2: Please, share some little sweet days with me, I
0: check my mailbox every day, oh, in the sugar, you see in my way. Hi Cheryl. Hi Steve.
1: So we are going to have another update as we're doing all through all the month of August before we return with brand new Bigger and Better episodes in September. And we wanted to concentrate on an episode that really generated a tremendous amount of feedback. This was the episode on the Wicked Stepmother.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I should say the self-defined Wicked Stepmother. Yes, that's right. That's right. We weren't thinking she was wicked. That's right. So at the end of this rebroadcast of the episode, we, of course, have these updates. So we'll be back to read from the emails that we received. We're also going to call the woman Mm -hmm. who signed herself the wicked stepmother. She has an update for us about how life has continued on for her and what she did in response to our conversation, our advice.
1: That's right. So stay tuned for that. Dear Sugars, this is something I've been struggling with for a while now, and it's awful to write it to another person, but I have to. I'm a stepmother, and I hate it. The advice I get from everyone is that I knew what I was getting into when I got married, so I should accept it, but I didn't anticipate things being the way they are. I thought I was mature enough to handle being a stepmother, but maybe I'm just a total monster. That's what you are if you don't love your stepchildren like your own. I met my husband when we were in high school, and even then we fell for each other. However, before we graduated, we had a fight, and I went off to college with our relationship unresolved. We didn't talk for eight years aside from a few token conversations. During that time, he had two children with another woman. Two years ago, we reconnected online, and all those feelings were still there, and we began a relationship. At the time, I was hopeful about being a stepmother and sure that I could be a good one. So when we moved in together last spring, I jumped in with both feet. They were five and two when I met them three years ago and fairly easy to deal with. Now they are eight and five, and I'm overwhelmed with how annoying they are. I face pressure from all sides to be their mom, and I'm not. They have a mother, even if she's not around as much as she should be. To complicate matters, I gave birth to my own daughter in June, and I didn't anticipate how fierce my feelings about her would be. My desire to protect her is so strong. I don't want the other children to touch her, and a terrible feeling fills my chest when I see this. I can't stand it. I know this is wrong. I am open with my husband about my struggle, but I know it hurts him that I don't have a wonderful mom-like relationship with them. I know I'm supposed to treat all the children in the house exactly the same, but I'm finding this impossible. They're not babies, and they're not my babies. They're just not. I try to be present with them for my husband because I love him more than the world, but I never thought it would be so hard. We have a weird home life now because he thinks he needs to keep them mainly separate from me. I try to suggest spending time with each other, but he doesn't want me to be unhappy. I don't know what to do. I know my feelings are not the right ones for this situation, and I'm not the cuddly woman his kids desire. I know these children have been hurt before and need a loving home environment. I'm trying, but I'm failing. I don't want to be their mother. I want to be my daughter's mother. I don't want them to call me mom, and I know I'm supposed to. When the kids are elsewhere, I get glimpses of the life I could have had if my husband and I had just gotten together sooner, but it's the ship that didn't carry us. I know this, but I want it, I grieve for it. I know that the only possible answer is that I should have known what I was doing when I married my husband, but not marrying him was too much to bear, and our daughter is so precious to me. I know his kids are precious to him, and I try to look at our life through this lens, but it's so difficult, and I know I am so awful. I try my best to be kind, and sometimes we have good moments, but most times I just want this season of life to be over. I hope things will improve, and I know that it's up to me as the adult, but what if I can't hack it? What if I am just the evil stepmother? I don't like feeling embattled in my own home. I don't like being such a monster. I don't like feeling so much pressure from everyone to be a saint and to love them like my own. That may never happen. I don't feel it. I'm supposed to, but I don't feel it. I know it's not right. I know it's not. I know. Signed, The Wicked Stepmother.
0: It's a hard, this is a really hard letter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's one of the bravest letters we've ever gotten. Yeah. I think it is so extraordinarily rare for a stepmother especially, you know, she's stepping into this role to say, I am having these terrible feelings that are conforming to every stereotype, but I'm having them.
0: I agree with you. She's so brave. And I also love that she doesn't put her feelings on anyone else. She's not blaming the kids for her feelings. She's not saying, well, I would love them, but they do this, and then they do that, and how can I love them? She's saying, I know I should feel this way, and I do not. Yeah. And I think that it's really important for the purposes of our conversation that we're going to just take this idea off the table that Wicked Stepmother should be doing anything. What this conversation is about, Wicked Stepmother, is what you're feeling, right. what moment you're in in your life right now. And I do want to remind you and our listeners as well, that this is a moment. This is a snapshot of not just any moment, but a really powerful and powerfully stressful one. She says here, we moved in together last spring. Okay, she's known the kids for three years. It's different to know a couple of kids and to have them move into your house. So they all moved in together last spring. Then she says, I gave birth to my daughter in June. June June is the month that spring turns to summer, okay? So within the span of one season, she has become the stepmother to two children in, in a way that she hadn't before. And also she has become a mother. And I know from experience, but we know this just from a biological standpoint, when you give birth to a baby, you have all kinds of hormonal changes that are about falling madly in love with your child. Right and a huge piece of that is that deep animal urge to protect your child right. i have so many friends who have the beloved dogs or the beloved cats and they bring the baby home and they're like don't touch the baby you know, don't get away siblings. from the baby and the right. older siblings don't touch the baby so this I just want to say, Wicked Stepmother, this feeling you have isn't an indication that you're a terrible person. You won't always feel this way about your daughter. You'll always love her. You'll always want to protect her. But right now, those feelings are heightened. You know, before we dig into these issues, Steve, I feel like we should call our guest. Dr. Wednesday Martin is going to be joining us today. She's a social researcher and the author of the best-selling book, Stepmonster, a new look at why real stepmothers think, feel, and act the way we do.
1: And we should add that Wednesday is herself a stepmother.
3: Hello?
0: Hello, Dr. Martin?
3: Yes, you can call
0: me Wednesday. Wednesday. Hi, this is Cheryl Strayed. So listen, we are so thrilled to have you on the show to help us with really these complicated uh, questions. Well, it's
3: so cool that you guys are doing something to help these people because, you know, it's very taboo.
0: Well, that's it. We just read, um, before we called you up, we read the letter from the Wicked Stepmother. So we're discussing that letter now, and that was one of the things that we both noted is, this woman, we thought she was so brave for really being so honest about things that are taboo.
3: Yeah, I think it's really fearless and honest. And the reason I called my book Step Monster is because so many women who loved themselves and their lives in every other way, when it came to stepmothering, just they felt monstrous and they felt like failures. These hmm. super competent, happy, well-adjusted women were just Lord by all these taboo feelings that they had. And the truth is, you know, the role is a bit of a setup, right. but you can really come to enjoy it. I mean, I had an experience that started out really, really bad. And 15 years later, it's really good.
0: So what was your experience? Yeah. How did you become a stepmother?
3: I married a man who had an adolescent daughter, and a young teen daughter. I didn't know that statistically the worst-case scenario is when a man has teenage girls, that that is most predictive of failure for the stepmother and for, you know, hard feelings and difficult adjustment. But it all really depends on where these kids are developmentally, their personality, the family culture they grew up in, and it also hinges a lot on feeling like their other parent, uh, in this case their mom, is giving them either tacitly or really explicitly like giving them permission to like you. They need that, even if they're 45 years old. Mm-hmm. They're going to need their mom to say to them, hey, you know what? Yes, Daddy and I got divorced. Yes, I'm a little bit upset that he's with Cheryl, but guess what? I can hold my own feelings. Right. It would be cool if you would give Cheryl a chance.
0: That's right. I think I should be given a lot of
3: chances. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but what I'm saying is that changes everything, and those are the happy outcomes.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that you described, and obviously you've done a lot of research about the age of the kids, where they are developmentally. Cheryl and I were talking before we got on the phone about the very kind of precarious situation that the wicked stepmother finds herself in. What could you say to her about the situation that she finds herself in with two older stepchildren and a new little baby?
3: First of all, she says, I'm a stepmother, and I hate it. I feel like a stepmonster. I hate myself for failing. And the first thing I want to say to this woman is, honey, join the club. Mm -hmm. Door is open. Come on in. Sit down. Here's your membership card. Now look around. We're all here with you. There was not one woman out of the dozens that I interviewed formally and the hundred or so women that I spoke to casually about being stepmothers who said to me, I got this, this is easy. If anybody said that, within 15 minutes, we were getting to the nitty-gritty, which always involved resentment, anxiety, feelings of failure, And all those things, the research tells us, come from living in a should culture when it comes to stepmothering. Stepmothers should feel like these are their own children. They should love them like they're their own. They should be able to extend their feeling of love for their husband or partner to these kids. They should rise above. They should know what they're getting into enough of the shoulds and here's a really important thing for her to understand people will tell you that you should love them like they're your own and maybe you will but maybe you won't and one of the most harmful things that happens to stepmothers is they confront a lot of myths and one of them is you know the myth that stepchildren and children are the same and if you don't feel the same way about them you're bad Anybody who has a child and is with that child, you know, from childbirth or, you know, earliest adoption or fosterage knows that there's something very special about the bond that builds up over time attachment is a suite of behaviors that unfolds between a caregiver, you know, and a dependent offspring. And it's really deep and meaningful. It's in our neurocircuitry. It's rich. It's rewarding. Let's be honest. We don't always have the luxury of getting that with our stepchildren.
0: In fact, we rarely do.
3: We rarely do. So it's different. And don't let anybody tell you that it shouldn't be or that you're bad for feeling it's different. The other point, guess what? This child has two parents. Your baby needs you, and it is okay to withdraw a little bit, prioritize your baby, feel like you want to circle the wagons a little bit. That doesn't make you a bad stepmother. You're giving your stepchild space with her father, And you're giving yourself time that you really need with your baby. Doing that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to feel more knit together eventually. But Mm -hmm. right now, you know, when there's a newborn or a baby on the scene, many, many women describe feeling newly sort of possessive and private. And then they pathologize themselves for it. Don't. Mm -hmm. Don't even. That's
0: great. So I think that's phenomenal, Wednesday. I think that's exactly what the wicked stepmother needs to hear. And, and one of the interesting paradoxes of that, when you forgive yourself, right, for having those feelings you have, what that opens up is the possibility that that you will over time come to love these stepchildren. And so my question for you is, you know, when I read this letter, I agree with you, we need to get rid of the shoulds. I also do think about these stepkids in this situation. I'm sure the wicked stepmother, the woman who signs herself the wicked stepmother, wants to have a happy family. And the fact of the matter is it does include these stepkids. What would you say to her about how to build that in a way in which she's not condemning herself or shaming herself? How to build that with this blended family?
3: The way to do it is to know that there's not one right way to do it. I really believed when I became a stepmother that I was supposed to refer to my stepdaughters as my daughters. Mm -hmm. And one time was very early on. My older stepdaughter was... Staying with us for the weekend, and I was just recently married to my husband. And a friend of mine called from out of town, and she said, "What are you doing this weekend?" And my stepdaughter was standing there, and I went through this thing in my head where I was like, "What am I supposed to call her?" And we, in sociology, you call that role ambiguity. Yeah. Like, who am I to her, and what is she to me, and how will she feel about how I describe it? So. I was like a deer caught in the headlights of rural ambiguity. And I was like, what am I supposed to say? And I said, my daughter's in town. And (laughs) my friend on the other line is like, what? Thinking, of course, in her head, thinking like, what happened? Was there a surrogate mom in the picture I didn't know about? Or like, you know, was there an adoption in the works I didn't know about? And my lovely, gracious stepdaughter just stood there, her face, getting redder and redder, cringing because it was such an overstep, made her feel so weird, was so disrespectful to her mom, and I was cringing because my friend did not know what the hell I was talking about. I sounded like a crazy person, and I felt fake. Right. This is a bad way to build a relationship, and I was doing it because of shoulds. Now, what I learned after doing the research and talking to all these stepmothers and all these experts is there's not one right way to do it. Some step families are going to be great with being polite, being civil, you know, respecting your differences and understanding that you might never be best buds or even buds, but you can appreciate that this person is taking care of your dad you can appreciate um as a stepmother that you know your husband's child makes him feel joyous even mm-hmm. if she doesn't always make you feel that way mm-hmm. then there are some step families they are extremely rare that are very very close and that's the exception it's not the rule and if you have it just feel lucky yeah. don't feel superior to other people Don't rub it in their faces, but don't think that people who seem to have a perfect step family life do, first of all. And, you know, if their step family relations are closer than yours with your stepkids, it's usually about factors beyond your control.
1: Right. It's so interesting, I think there is a sense, an undercurrent to the letter, that the biological mom was damaging or hurtful to the kids. Yes. And there might be a sense in which she sort of feels like she has to step in as a saint immediately to sort of undo the damage the biological mom did.
3: Oh, absolutely. And here's the other tricky situation for her. Some of the research suggests that when a child's mother is more absent, less loving and engaged, even if the child's mother is abusive um, and the child has a stepmother. In many cases, if the stepmother is loving, it will incite resentment and feelings of disloyalty in the child because they know that their mother is imperfect. So it's a very complicated dance, but what we can say is even if mom is dead, even if mom is a drug addict, Even if mom is, you know, emotionally cut off, children still feel that their relationship with their mom is something sacrosanct, and they don't want that territory stepped on. Mm -hmm. So it won't be good for the stepmom or the child for her to tread too hard in mommy territory. Right. Some people say that the best thing for a stepmother to try to be is an auntie. I have heard other people say just be an ally. Somewhere on that spectrum between auntie and ally, you know, you're going to be able to find that balance, and it's tricky. Now, thankfully, this child has a present loving parent, and that's dad. And especially while there's a a baby in the picture, dad can pick up the slack and just work on and nurture and... And make even better every day his relationship with his child. Mm-hmm. And that takes the pressure off her. Yeah. And then she can reset her expectations and the guilt will lessen. Right. Yeah.
1: I wonder if there's something to be said Wednesday about talking with dad about this, because one of the things that's striking is that he's clearly picking up on her resentment of her stepchildren and especially you know, her not wanting them to touch the baby, and that's caused him to sort of try to keep the kids sequestered, the stepchildren, his children, right. biological children sequestered from her. So it feels like he's got to be a part of that process as well.
3: That's such a, a great point, and here's something we know about the difference between first families and step stepfamilies. Oh, this is the other, you know, BS that these families have to deal with, is the expectation that in order for a step family to be successful and happy, it's supposed to look, feel, and act like a first family. Absolutely, 100%, not the case, we know from the research. We know from the research that first families bond really well as a group. They bond really well when they're all having dinner together, or playing a sport together, doing a puzzle together. Guess how to step families bond best? Dyadically. One on one. So when the stepkids are there, what therapists will tell you based on what works is let dad have time with his child. Then you have some one on one time with your husband's child. Don't try to do this thing where everybody's sitting down and having a family dinner every second of every day. Do you know why? Because for step families, all together now, activities. Activate anxiety about who's on the inside
2: mm-hmm. and who's on
3: the outside. So, until you get your sea legs, and you need to get your sea legs over and over, you need to get your sea legs again in the step family when you have a baby. You need to get your sea legs again in the step family when your stepchild graduates, when your stepchild marries. These are all moments when step families have to readjust. So, she's in a moment of readjustment. So, let dad be with his kids and then let her one at a time. Be with one of the kids without the baby. And Mm -hmm. do a really low-impact, we call them shoulder-to-shoulder activities. Don't be sitting there eyeball-to-eyeball like, hey, hi, let's relate. Do something low-key, side-to-side. Do an arts and craft activity. For crying out loud, you're tired, you have a baby, just sit there and watch TV with the kid and feel that comfort of being Mm -hmm. side-by-side.
0: Well, I think you've offered some really powerful insight Wednesday. I know, I feel reassured listening to you. I mean, I think that this is a complicated relationship and that it's a relationship that's about not a moment. Yeah. It's not about that initial rush that you the first moment you see your baby you bond and love that child. But it's a relationship that develops over time as you know, the years pass.
3: It's a journey and it takes time and the kids change and she'll change and they'll find themselves in different places. They'll be closer, they'll be further apart. Really normal. There's not one thing she's written in this letter that I haven't heard many times, Hmm. including this sense that she's just freakishly unique and terrible.
1: Right.
0: Well, and I I want to say, too, you know, she signs her letter, the Wicked Stepmother, you know, like the terrible, terrible stepmother in Snow White and mm. the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. Yes. And this is a woman who, you know, like tries to, to murder Snow White. Mm. Right? Yes. And I really think Wicked Stepmother, if you're out there listening— I know that that evil woman would never have composed a letter to Dear Sugar Radio (laughs) asking for help. She just just put the poison in the apple, and she was done with that. And so I I think that, that by even asking these questions and admitting to these feelings that are so taboo, it tells us that you're not so wicked after all. Yeah, I agree. Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. There we are. Not so wicked after all. And we're going to read from many different kinds of emails that we got in response to that episode. And the first flood of them really were so many thank yous people like Melissa, who wrote to us, thank you so much for the podcast on stepmotherhood. It's such a hard situation, and there's no winning. She writes that she has so much stress in her life that she feels like it's all too much, like the teacup that overflows with every new drop. I asked my husband to listen to the podcast on wicked stepmothers, she writes, and after days of volatility and not being able to see each other's point of view, and at least for me not feeling like he's hearing me, he finally gets it. Mm. We're talking again, like the couple we've always been. So, you know, Melissa, a stepmother who is in a situation that sounds like a lot like Wicked stepmother right. situation. Right. And I love this idea. And we hear this on other topics as well when partners listen to the podcast together. Yes. And it's an opening of a conversation.
1: That's right. And uh, Karen wrote to us Dear Sugars, I can't thank you enough for the episode on stepmothers. Until I heard you speak to Wednesday Martin, I truly believe that I was alone in my feelings about being a stepmother, which we heard from so many letters this feeling of I'm the only one. My stepson is 15, and our relationship has always been a source of stress and anxiety for me. I've always felt a lot of pressure for my husband to be the loving, devoted mother my stepson has never had. He expects me to love him like he's my own son, but that's just not how our relationship is. I've tried to talk to my husband about how difficult it can be to be a step-parent, and his response was, I don't see you that way. You've been with us for so long, I don't see you as a stepmom. He just doesn't get it. I never wanted kids, and this wasn't what I anticipated when my husband and I got married. I can't tell you how relieved I was to hear Dr. Martin say that it's normal to feel this way, for stepmothers to not always love their stepchildren as their own. Thanks for showing me I'm not alone from Karen. Now look, you know, we can hear that letter and say, oh gee, you know, it sounds like she's hasn't fully communicated to her husband that he doesn't get it in these various ways but in some ways that conversation only takes place when somebody like karen and all the other karens out there realize hey you're not alone this is a common feeling this Mm -hmm. is legitimate the way you feel and then having heard that and having it validated our advice immediately if you haven't done it karen obviously is well now it's time to tell your husband compassionately i love you but there is this part of how you see me that, uh, you know, you're not quite getting how I feel about this. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe they can listen to the podcast together. That would
1: be ideal. I, I
0: think that's some of the most important, maybe the most important work we do here on the podcast is making people feel not so alone. Yep. You know, you get to say other people have these same struggles. Uh, we also got some advice Katie wrote to us, Our blended family has learned a lot in the 22 years since we came together. Here are a few things we discovered. One, I heartily agree with your guest's belief that forcing everyone to participate in all family activities is a no no. (laughs) Never, ever. It's more like if you build it, they will come, which I think is just great advice. Uh, The second piece of advice she has is everything takes longer than you think it should. When you first combine families, there are no shared memories. You can feel lonely when others are sharing stories that you aren't aren't a part of. But a few years along, you'll all have made some memories as well. She also writes, and this is a wonderful, bright note, bonus kids. That's how I've always referred to my stepson and stepdaughter. (laughs) And the grands are just our grands. There are no step references there. Today, my bonus kids introduced me as their bonus mom or just one of their parents to keep it simpler. And so I think that's a wonderful thing that Katie shared with us is taking the long view Mm -hmm. and her letter ends on this really poignant note. Let me read it. Sure. My ex died two days ago. My husband has been so loving and respectful of my time spent with my sons, my ex and his wife during these past terrible months of his dying. Had our relationship been acrimonious, my kids and I would likely have been out of touch while they spent all that time at their dad's side. Yet without him, they wouldn't exist. I'm so glad for the relationship building we continued after our divorce and my remarriage and never could have foreseen how much all of that would matter at the end of my ex's life. Mm. And this is really key because, you know, we talked about the conflicts around this very specific stepmother who right. is feeling conflicted. But, you know, and what we're going to explore, obviously, on future episodes, that there's so many different dynamics with step families. Yep. And, you know, it's about... How to co-parent with exes, how to mm-hmm. how to you know welcome kids who are not your kids from the beginning into your family and you know I love that that Katie has shared with us there's a whole bunch of beauty too if you're mm-hmm. if you're willing to sort of engage in this struggle, right. beautiful things can come.
1: Yeah, and she takes the long view. And what's beautiful about Katie's letter, even though obviously it's a somber note, is that hard work of being patient and flexible pays off Mm -hmm. in moments of crisis, you know, of the passing of a parent.
0: Right. So we are now, you know, talking about the long view. We received this letter, you know, several months ago, Mm -hmm. gave our advice a couple months after that. And now some time has passed. And not only are we going to talk to Wicked Stepmother, we're also going to talk to her husband hello hi is this wicked stepmother this is... Hi, this is Cheryl Strayed, <laughs> and I'm here with Steve Allman.
1: Hi, Wicked Stepmother. Hi,
0: I can't believe I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> well, we are excited to be talking to you, but the first thing we have to get out of the way is, I'm sorry, we cannot call you Wicked Stepmother. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> but do you want us, to, what would you like us to call you?
2: You can call me Amelia, if that's what you would like. Okay, Amelia. Sure. I love it.
0: So we're, we're so excited to talk to you and hear about the update, and we understand that there is somebody else on the line, your husband.
2: Yes, he is here, too. And, and you might hear our, our daughter in the background.
0: That's, <laughs> I
1: thought I, yes, I was hearing a daughter in the background. Hello,
0: husband. <laughs> Hello. So what should we call you? We're calling your wife Amelia.
2: Uh, James is fine.
0: James, Terrific. okay. So what did you make of what we said?
2: I was pretty blown away by what you guys had to say because if you ever make the mistake of Googling something like this, you don't get very nice answers. Oh, no. It was really a relief to hear somebody else, especially hearing from Wednesday Martin, that there were other people that felt the same because, yeah. you know, the Internet can be a pretty rough place.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Did you know, James, that Amelia had written to us?
2: I didn't know about it until <laughs> until the episode aired. Wow.
1: Okay. So <laughs> what did you think of, of that? I mean, did hearing the letter, that must have been an, a very odd experience.
2: No, I mean we are um, very, very open, and mm. um, she expresses all the things freely, and and I, and I feel free to do the same. Mm-hmm. So it it was nothing that we hadn't talked about. Right. Before. So it
0: wasn't. It was just she had shared with you everything she shared with us. Amelia, what about you? Was there anything specific that you took from the episode that you thought, okay, I'm going to try to do this, or was it more of a general sense of I'm not alone?
2: It was that and the part where she said, you know, let's get rid of all the things that we should do because I feel like that's been a huge source of pressure for me since this whole thing started with, you know, my family is full of lovely people, but none of them have ever been in this kind of situation. So if I start to bring something up that's frustrating or I was like, oh, you should just do this. You should just do that. It's like it's, it's hard to take that, you know. From somebody who really doesn't understand what's going on,
1: right. right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, has there been in in terms of the you know how the whole family relates, one of the central anxieties that I think made you feel the most guilty was i'm I'm fearful of allowing the older children, you know to you know handle the new baby and so forth. How has that evolved? <laughs>
2: Um, well, when I wrote you guys the letter, I was sitting in a grocery store parking lot and our daughter was about two and a half months old. So mm. she was oh my. really new. Yeah. Fragile,
1: it yeah. Was
2: very stressful. And, um, she's just over a year now. And I still, I mean, I'm kind of an uptight person as it is. So I'm still not real big on people being really close to her and freaking her out or anything like that. But I, I feel like it's a little less tense between all of us now. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever feel great about people, like, being all up in her grill or whatever. <laughs> <All> <laughs> but it's kind of less in my face now, nine months later.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things we talked about. We were like, okay, you're in a big moment right now, just oh. becoming, uh, you know, having this newborn and bonding with, with her. And, and it's a very intense time. Have, have you sensed um, yourself relaxing as both a stepmother and a mother as, as time has progressed?
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that's helped with that is that this summer our um, our arrangements have been a little bit different. So um, the last summer when she was first born, um, the kids, the stepkids were not with us. So we were kind of on our own for that summer, and this summer so far they've been here. And so one of the things that we did was, you know, we decided to arrange our days kind of based on what works for us as opposed to what people might think you know we should be doing since we're both at home a lot you know we get a lot of opinions that we should all be home together all the time but that doesn't work for us so yes. during camp and and that kind of thing so just making those decisions that work for us as opposed to what everybody else else thinks i feel like has taken a lot of the pressure off yeah, 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 yeah i yeah.
0: mean that's it's funny that that you say it so concisely i think that's advice we give over and over here on this podcast, not just about step parenting. I mean, really about so many things we do in our lives, yeah. from work to love to parenting. Yeah. You know, so you have to create a, a life that works for you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, too, listening in, you know, and I have a, a what, 9, 7, and a 3-year-old. You guys have, I think, a 9, 6, and a 1-year-old. And that is a chaotic house. Any way you slice it, there's no dear sugary advice that's gonna get around how chaotic that is. Um, And so I think you're very wise to say, how can we take the pressure off, you know, (laughs) if it's camp, whatever it is. But I wonder, you know, Wednesday Martin had said, you know, try uh, maybe rather than enforcing that family, everybody's got to be at the family dinner and having these, you know, communal experiences. Try one on one. Has that helped at all in terms of relating to your stepkids to try to have one on one time with the nine and six year old?
2: We haven't tried too much of that yet. Um, I work all the time. I'm kind of the primary breadwinner in our house, which a lot of people also don't understand a lot, but I feel like we're kind of working towards less separate things, but we do just kind of do our own thing, which I think works more for us in terms of kind of reducing the stress of those gatherings and what we're supposed to look like and do. So mm-hmm. I think we're on on the way there.
0: That's so great. So how how specifically your relationship i guess with your stepchildren amelia how how has that changed over these last months
2: um you know i don't want to sound mean we don't we're kind of like ships passing in the dark still mm-hmm. a little bit here because just my schedule is is really busy i work from home but i i have like four different jobs so mm-hmm. i mean there's not a lot of time where we overlap but i feel like when we do overlap i'm not quite as on edge yep. so it's easier to just have like those little conversations you know how was camp How is the day and it doesn't feel so much like an attack of like this is happening and I don't want it to be happening so that's the thing that's changed for me like I don't dread when, yeah. when our paths cross and we have a couple minutes to chat Yeah,
0: right because yeah. it's not about somebody else's expectations perhaps of like what you think you should be as a stepmother
2: mm-hmm. right and I mean my parents like the model I grew up with they both had summers off so whenever they're kind of imagining what our summer and what our schedule should look like, they're kind of picturing, like, two parents on vacation for the summer, which isn't our scenario.
1: That's so. not your scenario. Oh, it's such no. a pre- it's just such a pressure cooker. You know, you work at home, and you got more than a full-time job, and, by the way, a one-year-old. So I think, actually, yeah. there probably isn't space at this moment in the family's history for, you know, let's go out and, you know, have a one-on-one activity. But it does sound like there's some... Evolution, And at least that within yourself, you feel calmer and less, you know, as the letter you wrote, as you as you've told us, it was a really a painful, anguished moment. And it sounds like the temperature has been turned down on that considerably.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm still on the space where I like when she said take one of the kids without the baby. I, I was like, oh, no, that's that's not going to happen right now. But now I feel like, OK, there could be a point where that could be an option and Mm -hmm. I would feel all right about it. So Mm -hmm. it's just like the possibilities (laughs) have kind of opened up and it's not, so much dread about what's going to happen
0: mm. oh that's so wonderful that's really amelia i'm so glad to hear that
1: and i just want to h- hear james do you have anything to add in terms of uh, how things have evolved over the last few months you are so Yay! compassionate and supportive and really i think a lot of what we said essentially echoed what you have been trying to say to amelia how have these past few months been for you
2: this whole time has been great for us since we've been doing it kind of our way and not Based on people's expectations, because I, I love being a father. Yeah. So, honestly, there has never been any pressure there, you know, for her to fill in this slot that doesn't really need filling. As, That's right. Uh, you know, from my from my
1: perspective. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, we can hear that uh, things in in the household have, have reached a point where Dear Sugar Radio is going to gracefully say, go back to the loving chaos that is the family it's right now. Time. It's, it's gotta na- nap time. It's got to be nap time somewhere. It's, it's, it's actually, I hear that that noise means it's past nap time, actually, if you'll remember, Cheryl. This is past nap time. I remember
0: distinctly. Okay, guys. Hey, listen, so fantastic talking to you, and good luck with all the... The the children, the many kinds of children you have. We wish you well. (laughs)
1: We do.
2: Thank you so much. I'm such a huge fan of you guys. I can't even say it enough. Oh, (laughs) Oh, thank
0: you. Thank
1: you. Take care, James. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. So that was fun.
1: That was intense. I mean, look, this is a family, clearly, that is under a lot of pressure, and you could hear that. They weren't like, it's all better, but... She's taken some of the heat off of herself, and I love that she's self-reflective enough to say, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm kind of an uptight person. You know, this would have been difficult even if we didn't have three kids." And she's the primary breadwinner, and and she works at home. And I love that it's an unconventional family.
0: Yeah, you know, and I want to say, you know, th- there's a reason too that like there, there's a lot of heat around stepmoms. You mm-hmm. know, that it's actually in general terms a kind of harder job than being a stepdad simply because we expect so much more
2: yeah.
0: of women when it comes to parenting even even biological moms and dads moms are on the hook in a different kind of way than dads i mean case in point all the many people who are constantly asking me about if my kids are okay when i work so much or travel so much right. i really think that you know if my husband were were doing that they he wouldn't get quite so many inquiries and right. so there is a lot of pressure on you know, stepmothers that's kind of unique to being a woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I see that this partner that Amelia has, like he's saying, listen, we don't adhere to those rules. You know, he's obviously a very primary parent. I'm not saying she isn't as well, but, you know, with his own biological kids, he takes the lead as he should, as he should. So sounds like they've got a pretty great system worked out.
1: All right. So we're now going to move on to some listener feedback. That's kind of a delightful euphemism for people who were, I think, very politely in a very considered way saying there's more, as Cheryl alluded to, there's more to think about with this subject of step parenting. And I'll start with a letter from Amy, who writes uh, to thank us for the episode. She was very grateful for it. And she adds just one tiny thing that I wanted to say back to you, the Sugars, and to Wednesday Martin when I was listening at the tail end of the podcast, Dr. Martin talks about being, quote, an auntie or an ally to your stepchildren. I think for many stepmoms, including me, this can be confusing. Here's why. In many cases, when there are older children, especially those who come only for weekends and holidays, stepparents do not need to step into a parenting role and discipline or help with homework or drop the kids at school and pick them up for soccer. They can be aunties or allies, but for younger kids and for step parents who may have the kids 50% of the time or more, this isn't possible. And actually, Cheryl, this is just to the point that you were making about the kind of pressure that Wicked Stepmother mm-hmm. was under and that society was putting on her. Often stepmoms like me, are the one with the more flexible job in their household and maybe the ones who need to get their child from school. For these step-parents, there is some mixed messaging. Some people say, you have to immediately step into the role of parent and join in disciplining the child. And other people say, you have to stay away from disciplining the child entirely. You aren't a parent. I personally feel in this case, you need to act as a parent, even if you're not becoming one of the two biological parents. So I think that's such an important yeah. point, you know, that sometimes you are in loco parentis, and even if the tag that you have biologically and in, in society's eyes is the step parent, you got to discipline the kid. It's such a it's a crisis that comes up all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, one thing I want to say, and this is always something I reflect on personally, and I know it's a it's a challenge that you and I have talked about, is yeah. is that we you know we have, we have these themes. You know, this 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 episode was stepmothers, but what we were really doing is responding to. Two letters, mm-hmm. okay? And in this case, in this rebroadcast, we, we just aired one of them. But what ends up happening is that focuses our conversation on a very specific dynamic. Yeah. And this uh, next letter, I want to read a little bit from it, signed by a woman who's signed crazy about my stepkids. She brings up a very good point, and that is, more than once during the show, it was said that a child only ever has one mother. I am a stepchild of two mothers, a lesbian couple. Without getting into the details of that complicated story, I want you to know that there are some of us who absolutely have two mothers. I am also happy to be a stepmother, and I'm coupled with a female. So, you know, I I when I read that, I was like, ah, you know, right. I, I felt apologetic and chagrined. Of course, there are a lot of people who have two mothers. That's right. And so what the dynamic we were speaking to, of course, was this idea of, a stepmother coming into a situation is is you know trying to foster a relationship with somebody who often has a very deep and unbreakable bond with his or her biological mother Mm. or at least a mother from birth right yeah and and so that's what we were talking about but i i think it's really important that we that we say here and now like a a sort of correction is that children can love all kinds of people some children don't have any mothers they have you know they they're adopted by two dads Mm -hmm. or i actually have a, a friend whose mother died when she was a toddler and her father remarried. And so her first memories are right. of this stepmother who really was a mother to her. Mm-hmm. There are also friends who were adopted at birth and then, you know, since then have gained relationships with their birth mothers while they also have, you know, relationships with the mothers who raised them. Their their adoptive mothers who are really, they think of as their true mothers. So it's very complicated. And, yeah. and in future episodes, I want us to discover all of that terrain. Right
1: yeah well, I would even add this wrinkle from a letter writer named dad who <laughs> reminds us that it's not just step moms it's step parents we're talking about sometimes step dads he writes that he's the dad of two boys one who's his biological child and another uh, who is his stepchild and he concludes his letter by saying as it happens I have been far more deeply involved in my stepson's upbringing than his other dad, which Mm -hmm. is the term that they use, but no one is jealous. I say this not to boast, I recognize the large component of good fortune here, but because I don't want any stepparent to believe that they can never be a, quote, true parent of their child. He is as much my son as our second son, and their relationship is a wonderful part of our family life. You know, this is a dad who has really assumed the psychological and emotional burden, embraced it, doesn't Mm -hmm. even see it as a burden, but an opportunity to really deeply parent and to be a dad. While the biological dad is involved and is also a dad, you know, he too feels like a true parent.
0: Yeah. Well, and I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't underscore that piece of my own story in my own yes, life. Yes, that's right. You know, my I have a biological father and he was no father to me. Mm-hmm. And I had a stepfather. Now, I, he's not still in my life much, but when I was growing up, you know, I met him, you know, from the ages of like around 9 or 10 into my early adulthood. He was the person I thought of as my dad. Mm-hmm. He was the person who did what dads are supposed to do. And he's the only person who ever loved me like a father can love a child mm-hmm. and I'm so you know for I'm, I'm forever changed and grateful yeah and so you know and I and I think that speaks also of course you know we're talking about step parents we got uh the last letter we'll talk about is a letter from Hannah who says I just listened to your stepmother episode my sister and I had step parents and step siblings foisted into our lives before we had turned 10 years old mm-hmm. I'm now 48 and my sister is 50. Listening to your episode was painful it focused heavily on the miserable job of step-parenting without any recognition of the truly awful experience of the kids, who have no say in what is going on. Mm. When I said we had step-parents and step-siblings, quote, foisted into our lives, it still feels that way 40 years later. Wow. She goes on to say, somehow I feel like the kids' experience is the most important piece of the new step-parent equation, yet it's always obscured by adult power struggles, egos, and relationships. Yeah. What is forgotten is the complete lack of control that the kids have as new people enter their lives that they are required to accept without question, yeah. often resulting in their parents' very divided attention as they focus on building their new life and love. Wow, Your guest made good and important points on integration techniques and boundaries. However, I want to advocate for the kids. Divorces are awful, and often the step-family dynamics that follow are even worse. Please don't forget about the kids. You know what? She's right. Yep. And I, I, what do I say? It's like a little bell going off in my mind. Don't you just? Yeah. We've got to do an episode yeah, on no, stems, being a step kid. Right. You know, I think it's, I think it's a really complicated and. You know, it could be like in Mike's situation, it kind of saved me. Right, you know? right. And it can be disastrous.
1: Right. I was thinking as you were reading that show, boy, I would love to hear, get some letters from kids. But I think what we're going to ask is, if you're a step kid, hereby know that we welcome letters mm-hmm. um, to talk about your experiences, joyous and, and, you know, full of tribulation or anywhere in between. And uh, in return, we promise that we'll do an episode on this important subject in the weeks to come.
0: Write to us. Dear Sugar Radio is produced by WBUR. We're produced and edited by Lisa Tobin. We're recording in Portland, Oregon. Our engineer is Josh Millman of Talkback Sound and Visual. Our theme music is played by the Portland band Wonderly. Listen and subscribe on iTunes. And if you like the show, please leave an iTunes review. It helps us a lot. And write to us at dearsugarradio at gmail.com. We Mm. also have a Twitter feed. Follow us there, (laughs) Dear Sugar Radio.